Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 84 is entitled, Who Runs the Universe? We attribute the rise of Darwinism to the split between science and religion. There is no conflict on earth more unnecessary, more ridiculous, and more confusing than the conflict between science and religion. Here are two aphorisms that can never be contradicted. 1. Truth never contradicts truth. 2. Law never contradicts law. We often erroneously assume that the laws of science and the laws of nature are the same thing. It is a catastrophic assumption. It gives science far too much power. It allows science to enter the social arena and affect public opinion, given authority in matters where it has no authority. Let me just burst the bubble by saying that not every scientific opinion is a law of nature. Evolution, for example, may in part be a fact of nature, but not every opinion about evolution is a law of nature. Critical thinkers know how loosely politicians and other opinion makers use the terms fact, inference, and judgment, and call on the authority of science. Not all inference is based on science or fact, and not all judgments attributed to science are valid. In our global age, we completely ignore that. Vested interest is the cancer of science. There are three classes of laws. 1. Spiritual laws or laws of God. 2. Temporal laws or laws of nature. 3. Civil laws or other government laws or laws of man. Only two of those are absolute. The laws of God and the laws of nature. Those laws do not change. The laws of man aren't true laws, for they are not absolute. They change with the tides of opinion. Laws of man that are not in harmony with the laws of God, or the laws of nature, are generally destructive. But that is the subject of another day. In this podcast, I only want to deal with absolute laws. Let me introduce another aphorism that defines another absolute truth. God is the author of all spiritual laws and all natural laws. In the realm of God, all laws are spiritual because all laws are eternal. Natural laws are a convenient classification because they distinguish between that which is subject to entropy and that which is not subject to entropy. Science only deals with that which is subject to entropy. Entropy is the natural law that things move from order to disorder. In the biological kingdom, things move from life to death. In the physical world, or the world of inanimate matter, if there is such a thing, Things move from an organized state to an unorganized state, or a state of maximum equilibrium. That leads to an important fourth aphorism. Law alone gives order to the universe. In other words, without law, there would be no order. Everything would be as dead. Without law, all matter would float aimlessly in the universe. There would be no stars, no suns, no moons, no planets, no galaxies, no gravity, no black holes, no comets. No life as we know it, nothing. That leads to a fifth aphorism. All laws, temporal or spiritual, are organized to perform a specific function. Since time immemorial, science has invariably proven that every particle, no matter how small, every object, no matter how large, and every system, no matter how complex, is governed by a complete set of laws, giving them independence. Without law, there can be no creation. Without creation, there can be no science and no religion. 
When the philosophies of man, whether of science or of religion, deny that truth, they fall into error and use their philosophy to deny God. God is a God of law and order. All atheism begins with the denial of law. That leads to three more aphorisms. All laws must be organized under one law, else they would fight each other. All laws must be independent in each sphere, else there is no free will. All laws must be organized by intelligent design. Accidental laws are a self-contradiction, an Alice in Wonderland world, a world of absurdity and nonsense and self-destruction. Anything created by accident can, by accident, be destroyed. The ninth aphorism is this, held firmly to by all Christians. The intelligent designer is, by definition, God. The following is a quote by Mr. Stephen Hawking from his book, The Grand Design, which sums up some of the things I said above, but not all. For Mr. Hawking is an agnostic, perhaps an atheist, though his writings indicate he is more of an agnostic. In my opinion, Mr. Hawking is a true scientist to the core. His greatness lies not just in his genius, but in his genuine desire to know the truths of science. On any level, the following statement by Mr. Hawking from his book, The Grand Design, must be true, or science could not hold, and neither could law. There must be a complete set of laws that, given the state of the universe at a specific time, would specify how the universe would develop from that time forward. These laws should hold everywhere and at all times. Otherwise, they wouldn't be laws. The above quote by Mr. Stephen Hawking is a clear definition of the principle of causality, that for every cause there is an effect, and for every effect there is a cause. Mr. Hawking beautifully articulates the views of science and the scientific method, that everything is governed strictly by law. The principle of causality must be true, or the laws of this world could not hold and would make no sense. In our modern world, few would argue with the statement, consider what kind of universe we would live in if it were not true. There could be no science, no predictions, no validation, and no certainty. Now, it may surprise you, however, but science, which bases all of its predictions on that statement being true, only believes it when it is convenient. If that seems like an odd statement, ask yourself how, if that statement is true, could science ever claim that the universe began by accident? Mr. Hawking himself, in the same book, The Grand Design, contradicts it. The following statements by Mr. Stephen Hawking also come from the grand design. 1. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists, why we exist. It is not necessary to invoke God to light the blue touch paper and set the universe going. 2. The lucky coincidences pertaining to the shape of the planetary orbits, the mass of the sun, and so on are called environmental because they arise from the serendipity of our surroundings and not from a fluke in the fundamental laws of nature. 3. Our solar system has other lucky properties, without which sophisticated life forms might never have evolved. 4. Were it not for a series of startling coincidences in the precise details of physical law, it seems humans and similar life forms would never have come into being. The problem science faces is that they have no explanation for first cause. If you categorically disallow the existence of God, then you have only chance, accident, coincidence, 
spontaneity, or serendipity of circumstances as the first cause. The dilemma of science is the existence of science itself. How do you explain the existence of laws in a world organized by chance? At what point did law come into existence? Why do laws even exist if chance is the cause of the beginning of law? How did laws organize themselves? How, for instance, can luck organize laws that do not allow for luck? In the first quote cited by Mr. Hawking, that there must be a complete set of laws that, given the state of the universe at a specific time, would specify how the universe would develop from that time forward, pose no problem for Christians, because Christians believe in intelligent design. It was the following statement that irritated many Christians. There could be no exceptions or miracles. Gods or demons couldn't intervene in the running of the universe. First of all, I want to show you the contradiction in Mr. Hawkins' argument. Let's substitute Mr. Hawkins' words for miracles, gods, or demons. That's fair. There could be no exceptions or startling coincidences. Lucky properties or serendipity of our surroundings couldn't intervene in the running of the universe. Now can you see the bind that science is in? They do not object to God. They merely object to the name of God. As long as you use luck, accident, coincidence, spontaneity, or chance to explain the origins of man and the universe, then you are being scientific. But if you use the name of God, you are a religious fanatic. Mr. Hawking understands science brilliantly, but he doesn't understand miracles. No miracle ever violated a law, or everything would fall apart. God would contradict himself. That applies to temporal or spiritual laws. To deny God is to deny law. To deny law is to deny God, the source of all laws. Go back to the nine aphorisms above. One law can never contradict another law. Spiritual laws cannot contradict temporal laws. Temporal laws cannot contradict spiritual laws. All must act under a single whole, or law has no meaning. Anytime science attributes creation to chance, accident, or coincidence, they are denying the principle of causality. Law precedes all creation, or there would be no creation. The assertion above about gods or demons is true, but superfluous, because all miracles are governed by law. Science, however, is blinded by the narrows of temporal law and cannot deduce the governing laws of the universe, attributing original creation to chance, a non-sequitur. If we could see with our spiritual eyes, we would see that faith has the power of law because it invokes the power of God. Faith never violates law. Faith is in God, and God is the author of law. Everything he does, he does by law. To access the power of God, we must act on faith. However, God answers our prayers through law. All blessings are predicated upon law. You want a blessing from God? Obey the laws of God, and the blessings will follow. Faith precedes the miracle. It has always been so. Some laws, however, allow freedom from the restraints of other laws, not by violating law, but by overpowering the restrictions of lesser laws. A rocket leaving the gravitational pull of the earth does not violate the law of gravity. It obeys laws more powerful than the pull of gravity. Demons do not run the universe. God does, and God is the author of all laws. God cannot be self-contradictory. Truth and law are synonyms. Laws are the manifestations of truth. There is a complete set of laws that govern temporal matter, and there is a complete set of laws that govern spiritual matter. But God is the author of both sets of laws, and there is one law that governs all laws. 
God's house is a house of order. In another podcast, I will talk about the differences between temporal laws and spiritual laws. But here, let me sum it up by rewriting Mr. Hawkins' statement. Gods or demons cannot intervene in the running of the universe by violating laws. God won't change his laws, and Satan can't change God's laws. Sin, for example, is nothing but violation of the laws of God. All disorder in the universe is caused by violation of law. All order in the universe is caused by obedience to law. Let that be the tenth aphorism. Ten is a nice round number that suggests another great set of laws, but that too is for another day. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.